Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Class 1A podcast. Today we are redoing our season five recap. That means we are only one episode after this away from season six premiering because we have this episode. Next week, we're going to have our primer, kind of get the hype episode for season six. And then we have season six of My Hero Academia on October 1st. It is so close, which gets me so excited for these recap chapters, as always. My name is Andrew Nimsigan. I'll be your host. And alongside me, I'll have both of the guys for once in what feels like forever, Dylan Beal and James Graham. And we're going to be talking through everything. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. I, I, I love when uh, we're in the run up to the new season. It's always super fun. Looking back at the old episodes always gets me so hyped because they're always good. I don't know. I, I, I've been liking My Hero for a really long time. So I'm always hyped to talk about the old episodes. Yeah, every time I find I go back for like the recap episodes, I'm, I, every time I see like a screen cap or I rewatch a scene, I'm like, man, this was like, it always just brings back that feeling of like, especially the joint training arc this time around. Like, oh my God, loved it. I got my monster. I got my pizza into me. I'm ready to talk about my hero. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But I, I really agree with that too before kind of going over the high level stuff on this is that rewatching a season when you watched a weekly the first time is such a different experience. Um, and kind of going back, and I don't think I, I do that. I don't do that until this episode, really. I rewatched a lot of it over these last kind of week and a half, two weeks, and it just feels like such a different experience, and I do enjoy that. That's why I love these recap episodes the most. But before we start diving into the actual season, if you guys are looking for more of My Hero Academic content, especially as we come into the season, we're going to be upping how much we put out every week. We'll do the recaps. We'll be doing shorter videos, possibly if Dylan feels like doing those again, and a bunch of more stuff. So you'll find that over on youtube.com slash class one a or you can go to twitter.com slash class one a pod stay up to date with everything we're doing on class one a my hero even a little bit of demon slayer and so much more but let's dive into the actual episode with a little bit of the high level information on when this aired and all that so this aired all the way back in december not i've already screwed up there in march of 2021 went from march 27th to september 25th for the actual dub english was always a couple of weeks behind and it covered all the way from chapter 190 to chapter 258 which i believe puts that at the second or maybe about third longest season in terms of chapters we covered a ton of content here obviously season six is probably going to blow that out of the water but this was a very packed season and as we're going through i try to keep the recap for each arc as short as possible we're going to be going arc by arc when talking about this. I try to keep it possible, like as short as possible. Still had like seven, eight like notes for each one because there's so <laughs> yeah. much content in some of these. But I guess we'll go in order and start with the joint training arc. I'll do a short recap and I'll let you guys talk because I've talked so much already. But pretty much joint training arc. I'm not even going to talk about episode one. We never are going to acknowledge or recap episodes on this podcast ever again. So it actually kicks off with Class 1A and Class 1B doing a joint training exercise where there'll be five rounds of fighting with uh, multiple members from Class 1A going up against Class 1B with Shinzo being in the mix where he'll fight on each side once. But pretty much the rounds go on. I'm not going to recap each individual round. A lot of amazing moments that we'll talk about here. But going on to the fifth and final round where Deku is finally fighting, we do see that Deku loses control of a mysterious power that he has no idea what it is. And he eventually comes to learn that this is a power called Black Whip, and it was a quirk held by one of the previous holders of One for All. This is because we learned that One for All has finally grown strong enough to grant him access to six quirks from previous holders that are actually going to be stronger than the quirk originally was when the first holder had it. In the end, Class 1A ends up barely squeaking out the overall win with three compared to Class 1A-B's Class 1B two wins. And we do learn that Shinzo is going to officially be joining Class 1B in the upcoming second year. And then kind of the one thing that's kind of between arcs but thrown at the very end here is that we do see that Monoma tries to go and meet with Eerie to see if he can copy her power. Where we learn a little bit more about quirks and how they work, but really he ends up not being able to do it. But they're trying to teach Eerie how to use her quirk a lot more and Mon was one of the ways doing it which is just a super interesting thing and seeing how that kind of plays off going into season six so i'll go back with that i think there was a lot of mixed feelings about joint training arc with that thinking about it now before we go into any individual moments or anything like that how did you guys feel about this arc when you first watched it and maybe how you feel about it now dylan you can go first yeah i think when we first watched it it was not the best but i think that was because we were so hyped 
uh, to go into the next arc that's right after this, the My Villain Academia. And I think that that arc was so hyped that it actually took a little bit of away from joint training because I think joint training is seen as kind of like a bit of a filler arc, even though it ends with a, a pretty big plot point with Deku and all his quirks. I still think it is like seen as like a bit of a filler uh, arc. And, but I think that's okay. I think it's okay to have those where you just kind of build out the world a little bit. Uh, so especially going back, I loved it. It's great. I, I love joint training so much. It it rocks. There's awesome fights. There's awesome characters. It rules. Yeah, I remember being like, I'm a big, I'm a big critic of animation. I remember being fairly critical about joint training art going in because they, they started using the, a lot of like 3D animating into their fights. Like, cause I mean, it's cheaper, right? It makes sense. I know it's a budget thing. Absolutely. Totally understand. And, they, and I really feel like they put the money where they needed to with the rest of the season. Um, that being said, though, I remember do being like fairly critical of that. But like after going back and rewatching it, I was just like, this isn't. Yeah, I think I like I think as Dylan already said, my villain academia. We were so we were so jacked for it that we really just were like, okay, cool, let's get through this. That being said, though, tons of fights, tons of really good fights too. They just weren't like it wasn't combat for the sake of combat, like you would expect from a typical filler. You know what I mean? Like the, you had some, you did have some good character development here. You did see some flaws be like really exemplified and stuff like that. So. I think it was a like a like a very good arc. Um, I think it just really got overshadowed by what it was followed by, and that's it's it's kind of a shame. So it's really nice to watch it like in a vacuum. Yeah, I agree. And I think it really kind of brought it back down to earth, which we have every so often. Of last season ended, season four ended with the Endeavor fight, with kind of the hero rankings and all that kind of stuff, really moving away from class one A for a good chunk of the end of the last season. But coming back, saying nope, we're just going to do some good old kind of. Physical education training is pretty much what the equivalent is here. You're just doing phi ed with the two classes. So seeing how some of them have grown, getting a chance to interact with class 1B a lot more. I mean, really, we see class 1B. We know who they are. They're part of things here and there. But this is really the first time in the entire show we got a lot of time with them where they at least had a third of the screen time. Um, usually they'll kind of come in here and there for kind of moving things along or comic relief outside of the force training arc a little bit. But... So I really loved that aspect too. And again, the fightings was amazing. I know you were critical of the animation, but I also thought there were some amazing moments here as well. I think a couple that I really call out there is the Tetsu Tetsu up against Shoto. And I think that same yeah. fight, the Ida moment there was amazing too as well. Um, I think there's a lot of really good moments here too. And it over, on a rewatch, it overcomes the issue that the manga struggled with of the pacing was horrible. There would be episodes that end in the most weirdest spot in the world so when you're watching it weekly, I'm like, no, just finish like these two going against just, it before you move get on. Through the next it, yeah. yeah. But no, like they'd end with like 30 seconds left of a round and then start the next episode with it after the recap. But when you just watch it all in like kind of a binge, it's so much better. And I love it. And it's probably one of my more favorite, um, kind of more school based arcs. Obviously, out of everything, it's a lot harder, but for school based arcs, it's become one of my favorites on a rewatch. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. Like it it there's like just so much there. Like like every episode is just like packed with like important things, not blatantly important, but like behind the scenes important. Like Bakugo's fight, right? Like that was insanely important to him. And like not only that, it's a good fight. It's very cool. It's so hyped. Yeah, seeing seeing Bakugo in action. Like I mean, like I don't know when we're gonna get into our favorite points of like each arc. I'm gonna I'm gonna hijack. I mean, you go this, into this, it now. I mean, now we're just kind of talking about it in general now and kind of yeah. going over whatever you want. Yeah, because I mean, because that was one of them. Like Bakugo, just like like again, you see him become just a better version of himself by being Bakugo, but doing it way more effectively. It was just, it was, it was perfect, and he like he won that fight like basically single handedly by using everybody else, right? Like it was just, it was just peak him. It was just peak him, and that with that's what made that entire that entire fight so good. Yeah, and I agree. And I kind of on the other side too. We think of Deku Shoto as and Bakugo as pretty much as the big three of the next generation. They're going to be heroes one, two, and three eventually whenever that time comes. But seeing someone like Todoroki struggle so much in the fight too kind of brings him back down to earth. It really shows that no, everyone at the school too, even class 1B really has it. So again, it really kind of leveled the playing grounds. And then all that going up to five. I mean, I think fights one through four are all great in their own way. But going up to five getting the reveal black whip, getting all this lore dropped and all that kind of stuff too. I mean, I think for me, that's what really stands out. Cause obviously I love, I'm a main character guy. I know you guys aren't as much, but I'm a big <laughs> main character guy. So getting all that lore drop, seeing it, um, having um, Shinzo and Uraraka and all that kind of being part of bringing them back down too. 
I think it was great. And obviously it changes the series forever. Obviously knowing Deku is going to get six more powers instead of being an All Might clone changes a lot about the series. And now we ask the questions of, okay, what quirk does he get next? Not, okay, is he going to start punching again soon? So I think that opens up a lot for the future of the series, which I think was amazing. Yeah. And, and it's really weird to look back on it because at this moment is when like everything was open, right? It's like Deku's going to get more than one quirks, like more than one quirk. And it, it, it's really insane. And at least from the monk perspective, it was super controversial when that happened. And I feel like those conversations didn't really reiterate themselves as much in the anime. Like, it, I don't want to say it was like super accepted, but it was kind of like a, oh, cool, he's going to get more quirks. And that was it. When the manga, it was like, Oh boy, the this, there was, was fighting mess. people people were on both like both sides it was it was nuts it was absolutely nuts and it's weird to think that when did that uh that chapter come out 2019 forever um, ago pre-covid for, at this point yeah yeah, ago. yeah ever ago yeah. and so for us um who have, who have read the manga we've been living with this concept of the story for like three years now which in terms of like when we started the series We've had Deku with quirks longer than we've not had him with with, with more more than one quirk, which oh is wild God. to think about. <laughs> which is super super crazy to think about, and I don't know. It, it's weird because it does. I think this is the marker of like I, I know there's like different sagas. I know uh, Horikoshi breaks up into sagas, but it really does feel like this is the moment of like pre Black Whip and post Black Whip are like huge huge moments uh, for this for this series. So yeah, I completely agree. I know. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. Obviously, we kind of know some knowledge here and there, but I think a lot of it kind of seeing in the manga and seeing it animated in season six coming up too, and what these more powers can mean is always something completely different. And it gets you more excited for things too, because even as um, things start to develop, it's so cool. But I think I'll go on before that. I, I was going to move. I, I do. I do have something kind of important to bring up because we haven't talked about it. I, I think I think it's a pretty big part of the series. And I, I don't know why we have we skipped over it and haven't talked about it. We've got to talk about the mushroom, guys. We've got to no, talk about don't. the mushroom. No, the, okay. But seriously, the mushroom rocks. The best character in all of One B. No, but 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 seriously, no, I, 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 Black I, I did want to talk the about Black the Black Black. characters because yeah. they're insane. They're insanely cool. Yeah. And yeah. it's crazy to think about. Horikoshi commented, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I just drew them as background characters one day, and I had to kind of come up with their quirks afterwards," which is crazy to think about because all of their quirks are cool they rock so much and they they feel so intentional even though horikoshi came out and was like no it wasn't intentional i, I just had to circle yet. back yeah no i think uh there's, i i do want to have a qu couple quick honorable mentions about the joint training before we move on um, oh, the, I wasn't done. I, I want to talk about Shinzo. Oh, you want to talk about Shinzo? So, oh, oh, I, I, we were we'll talking be... about Shinzo before. You can go into your points, but we're talking about Shinzo before we move on. Don't worry. <laughs> I, you, I'm a huge Shinzo, Shinzo stand, so that's fine. But no, I we talked about this when it came out because we were like kind of flabbergasted, flabbergasted when it happened. But there, like, there was an unnecessary amount of just zooming in on Sue's ass for like a bunch, like a bunch of times. Get that's and true. Right? And we were just sitting there, we're like. This is uh, this feels really. Well, they did it with the Mina too. Um, they like did right it with Mina. Yeah, like, yeah, they, they did, did it a bunch of them. this season. <laughs> yeah, there was a it weird was... amount of butt shots for no reason. For no, yeah. for no reason. It was mainly around like round one, round two. Like we were getting them a lot, and we we're just like, okay, all right, that's okay, noted. But yeah, no, I just I I didn't want us to forget about that because I remember that being a huge part of our podcast. For, like when it was happening, we were just like, why, like why, why are we doing this? I'm pretty convinced that this is what happened. So the showrunners were like. Horikoshi is pretty bad about writing a lot of his women characters. How should we, as showrunners, compensate for that? And some dude was like, what if we just show their butts a bunch? And they're like, great idea, you're promoted. <laughs> yep. Probably Horikoshi's personal assistant now. That's the same kind of line of thinking. But no, I think... Oh, okay, okay, at least, at least his <laughs> personal assistant, who is known to be very horny on Twitter, yeah. by the way. Yeah, at, least, at least he only draws the adult characters that way, okay? That's true, that's true. He gets a pass. Um... So yeah, obviously the last kind of thing that I don't want to talk about is Shinzo, someone that we were all so excited about going into, a character that we really loved forever. And when we started seeing him kind of on some of the posters and stuff going into season five, we we're all super excited. I think in the primer going into season five, like is Shinzo going to be in class 1A? Like who who's going to fall out? I think we even did a video of like, who's going to fall out of class 1A? <laughs> I think we came up, wasn't it like, uh, who was it that we came up with that? I think it, it was, was like... Yeah, because I, I did the um I did the did math, math on it. Yeah. Yeah, I did I did the yeah. math on it and I think it was uh uh was it Min Agakure? No, it, it wasn't. It, it was 
No, it was um uh the French French dude uh Ayama Ayama it was Ayama uh, it was really close between Ayama uh and uh Hagakure but Ayama was was it Yeah, you do like test scores and stuff like that, right? Like yeah, I did I did the test scores class rank. So basically, who was the most likely to get expelled? Which wasn't Mineta, which is very surprising. (laughs) He's 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 kind of smart sometimes. He's creative. That's the problem. (laughs) But I think kind of going and seeing Shinzo having his kind of his voice impressionator, I guess whatever you want to call the machine. I forget there's actual name for it, but kind of seeing how his quirk can be used, actually having him end up in one B. I mean, I don't think there's too much to talk about. I think we're all obviously very excited about and seeing him in action was super cool. And even his training with like Azawa and stuff like that and using the spining rope and all that. But I just love seeing him. Um, I, I hope we see more of him in the future. Obviously it won't be till the second year of the actual schooling that he'd be there. So I'd be curious to see how that is and if he becomes a bigger part kind of going forward, but I'm just happy he's still here. Yeah, he's he's such a cool member of of 1B. And I think my personal rankings of like actual characters who are really cool and I think are good to for the story, it's Shinzo and Monoma. Monoma rocked this season too, right? Yeah. Like Monoma is sick, man. Like, <laughs> like him and Shinzo, like all of their like scenes were incredible 10 out of tens. Yeah, I think I think I think it was around this time of these fights. I that's when my Twitter account changed to Omonima picture. Like, I think that's when I changed it because like, yeah, it was, it was like, it was, it was just the acknowledgement of Monoma knowing that he wasn't a main character, but he had main character energy. Like he like, I'm pretty sure he had like a, like a fourth wall kind of thing going on. And it was just great. Like it was so cool seeing such a creative character in action because Dylan, I think you and I went down the rabbit hole on his, on his power and stuff like that. And like, with the like the book and stuff like that, like he he could do so much cool shit with them, so much cool shit. There there is one member I also for one B want to bring up, and it is Tetsu Tetsu, Tetsu Tetsu going head to head with probably one of the most powerful people in all of like my hero. But like it was just having such a standard quirk against something so insane, and like it easily being like one of the best fights out of that entire that entire arc. I think like round three was insane. Yes, it was it so was. good. Mudman. I mean, it was just such great pairings. Yeah. That, that, that was the one where the animation, I think, really felt. I think in one and two, we were kind of, eh, well, the animation, and then they just did so hard in round three, and it was that's so the, That's good. where the budget went. Yeah, it was, it was, I think we remembered that. And I think it ended up being just different artists doing different episodes, <laughs> but yeah. I, I think in the end, it came out to be amazing. But before we wrap up during training arc, any last kind of honorable mentions, anything you do want to bring up before we move forward? Yeah, I, I think I, I think there is one I want to talk about, and it was around the Deku thing, but we didn't really like underscore it that much. Uh, and it was his moment with Uraka. Like, I think that's like a really important moment for them because for people who are kind of like love interests, they have barely any moments together. Yeah, um, but when they do, it's really impactful. And this was it, right? Not only that, but it, it felt like a lot of Class One A at least rallied around Deku. Um, which is really interesting, right? Because at this time, Deku is like not so secretly All Might's favorite. Uh, and I feel like that could lead to a lot of tension, but like showing this kind of reinforces it that like they're all really there together, right? And like this is this is like a class, and it's not like a, a weird competition between any of them. Like they're all really there for each other. And I, I felt like this scene like really, really like just solidified that. Yeah, yeah, I agree absolutely. with that. And, I mean, I'm a big stan. I mean, obviously, I don't think she's the best girl in the entire series, but I love she's the not. relationship there. I want there to be more um, kind of interaction with that, but I think that would require Horikoshi to flush out a female character, which she'll never do. So ultimately, <laughs> not and there'll be a time jump at the end of this series where they'll just make them fall in love and not explain anything else. And we're all just accepted because there's been six moments over 3,000 chapters that kind of add up to it, right, guys? <laughs> Yeah, that'll do. That's good, right? That's yeah. fine. That's all that's I need. You, that's, how you, that's how you write a great story in love interest. <laughs> all right. So moving on to the next arc, I want to make the one thing because we already talked about. We were all so excited about the next arc, which is supposed to be uh, my um League of Villains. Um, no, my villain academia. I apologize. There you go. Wh- which but... is is technically like the the fluff name for it. I I, I learned recently it's just called the Metal Liberation Army arc. Like yeah. my villain academia is like the fan name for it. it it's so much better. It's so much it better. Is. They changed the logo so and better. everything. It looks it's, sick. I think that's where it came from, is that they changed the logo on the front of it, and that's why most people just called mm-hmm. on that for the first chapter. But mm-hmm. what actually ended up happening, this was supposed to be the next, I think, 15, 20 chapters after the joint training arc. 
but instead they went into the Endeavor Agency arc in the anime. Never really explained why. There's little moments here that they teased in from the other arcs, but it was a big thing that a lot of people talked about when the season first came out. We're not going to dive into why it matters. We're just going to talk about the arcs, both of which ended up being amazing. But wanted to call it out is that there was this change. So if that matters to you, great. If not, both of them ended up turning out amazing. So we will be talking about the anime order, not the manga order, which would then take us into the Endeavor Agency arc. So what happens in the Endeavor Agency arc is after a little bit of a cooldown time, we end up having everyone going back to their work hero study courses because Shoto and Bakugo finally got their licenses. They took a PR course with Mount Lady. And now they're going to send them out to do actual work. Um, Shoto, Deku, and Bakugo all end up at Endeavor Agency where he works with Endeavor and alongside a lot of his uh, side click, including Burning. Um, this is really where we start to see how big of a gap there is between these three and Endeavor. We always think of these three so strong and had their wrestler classmates. But still, right away, they get clear how big of a gap there is between them. And that Endeavor doesn't really show any favoritism towards any of them. Because he has unique feelings towards all three of them. Um, during this time, we do have Hawks giving an encoded Meta Liberation book that hints towards the Para-Liberation Front attacking in four months' time. All this would have made sense in the anime if the arcs weren't switched around. But this is something, and it takes Endeavor like six days, it feels like, to I figure out it. what's happening with this. He's just not a very smart man. Um, but after that, we do have pretty much about six straight episodes of Keeping Up the Todorokis, where we learn about the family uh, dynamic. We learn about Endeavor, so Shoto's, Endeavor's dead son, Shoto's dead brother, Toya that died years ago. Um, and then they get um, one of the brothers get uh, kidnapped by a guy. There's a big fight there. And then during this whole arc, we have a whole bunch of Hawks and the Paralympic Liberation arc. Um, paranormal liberation kind of talking clearly he's kind of like a double spy maybe a triple spy no one really knows because we think at this point he killed best genus but he also gave endeavor the book so it's just kind of a lot of going back and forth but he's working with them he's being tracked by them but we don't know exactly where that's leading so it's really the big introduction to the parallel liberation front as well so again a lot of smaller things in there but that's kind of what i recapped not even going to talk about where everyone else ended up going for the other agencies because they got maybe 30 seconds of screen time this entire arc. It really kind of dove into these and really mainly the Todorokis is what this entire arc was. James? I'm a, oh, go on, Dylan. I'm sorry. I have to say it. I have go to for say it. it. Go for it. it. This arc was mid. It was incredibly it, mid. It, it was it, mid. It, uh, okay, I just want to know if you guys feel the same. Every single thing that happened besides besides one that I obviously will get to, it left me wanting more. The idea of an agency arc, it's like, cool, I want to get into the nitty-gritty hero stuff. I want the world to be built out about, like, what is it like to be in a hero agency? Like, build that stuff out. And then they, like, pulled back because they only had, like, two missions, kind of. And most of it was, like, for fluff around it. I was like, okay, cool. Well, I guess we're going to have, like, a Hawks, like, secret agent thing. And then they started to do that, but then they, like, kind of pulled back a little bit. I was like, oh, okay, well... Sure, whatever. That's that's totally fine. Um, I guess this is just like a keeping up with the Todorokis, as we always like to call it. I guess that's what this arc is. And I don't want to say it's boring, but for an entire arc, not it's kind of like happens. yeah, it's not much happens. Arc, and which is it what is happens. Short, I think it, it, yeah, we talked about it. It was like a lengthy recap, but I think in the reality, it ended up only being like five episodes long, maybe six. Um, I don't remember for exactly the, how long it was. Like, I, I want to say it was like six, almost eight, maybe. I, don't, I didn't look at. I didn't look at our Yeah, I'll have to double that. check. It, it, it gets a, it gets a little buzzy because they like they do because of the order change. They like do weird cross arc episodes, so it, it's yeah. a little fuzzy. But it's like yeah. it's six or eight. And while yeah. I personally don't care about the thing, I think kind of going back to what you're saying, Dylan, is that by switching the arcs, it made them hold back and everything, which is I think why this arc ended up being mid. Um, no, I, I, I actually I, really? I disagree because I think even in the uh, the manga itself that left me wanting yeah, more. I, I, I don't think I it's an animation. Even so, the arc wouldn't have been great even if they did in the same order. But I feel like they couldn't go into depth on a couple of things that yeah. could have redeemed it a little bit because of the order change. But again, no matter how you do this, it's not really an agency arc. It's pretty much it's just not. giving you an excuse for the main character to be around when Endeavor receives that book from Hawks. Is what this yeah. entire thing is, and then setting up the whole Toya backstory for whatever's going to happen out of that. That's literally yeah. the only reason these six episodes happened, which is a lot of time in a season for not a lot of outcomes. 
James, yeah. I keep cutting you off there, so you can go on. It's all good, man. It's all good. It's fine. No, uh, I think one of the only redeeming parts of this of this arc is the fact that it shows the gap between the three of them and Endeavor. Like, I think that is something that's not driven home really enough because usually it's, like, circumstantial, like, heroes are unavailable or, like, it happens right where, like, you know, Class 1A is or right where Deku is and stuff like that. But this is one time that you actually get to see Endeavor be preemptive about stuff and you do get to see just how, like much below the below him they are right like you, you it really kind of drives that point home and i i do appreciate it for that but i 100 percent agree it is a very like very mid arc um i like i remember us like really just trying to embrace the fact that bakugo just like orders everybody around in the todoroki house because he's just so sick of their shit and like that was like that was like our highlight you know what i mean like that was that was kind of it so yeah it was just kind of it was i don't know man because yeah, i was, bakugo I was hoping... got so many like plus ultra awards in an arc that up. wasn't about him, which is yeah. not a good thing. When it's about the Todorokis, they should be getting it. But Bakugo, I think, and even Deku, I think, might have got one too during this time frame. Got it because that's how much they held back or just didn't do right the Todoroki side of the arc, which is the only reason this arc existed. Yeah, yeah. It's kind there, of, it was. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say there. There was three, I think, moments from this arc that were actually good. So one was the fact that um, that Bakugo is, he's going to get with Todoroki's sister. So we all know that. Uh, no, number two, yeah, number two. Really? Number, I think it's good. I think, I think, I, I know, I, I like it. He has her number now. Uh, they talk about food. It's it's all good. Also, he likes Mabo Tofu, which is also yep. like one of my favorites. So I I, I, great. It's so so good. Um, <laughs> and, but but yeah, I, I did like the Hawk stuff. I thought that was pretty good. But I think the best part about the season is the the Kurogiri reveal, right? That has to be oh, number one. That happened here. I forgot that happened here. Oh Jesus! Yeah, technically yeah. that happens in in this arc, uh, and I think that's the redeeming thing about this arc because it's like what an episode and a half, but it's still the standout best part about this arc. That's yeah, true. I, in an arc that has nothing to do with it, yeah, like or like like that by itself has nothing to do with like the agencies at all, but that. Yeah, that one episode just—I remember it hit us like a freaking truck, and then then it was gone. That was like that was it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think our, there's uh, a lot of little things like that that they just keep feeling like they're setting up things for the future. A lot of things in this season felt like little teasers for the future rather than focusing on what's now. The hawk stuff didn't really pay off this season. It's all going to pay off next season. The eerie—they're starting to bring her in. She kind of kept coming in and out. Not this season. Deku only got one of his six quirks this season. That's setting up for the future. I think a lot of things here was really cool, but it just felt like overall a setup series until My Villain Academia, which actually progresses things. But even that, that's like eight, 10 episodes of fighting that lead to a setup for the next season. Obviously, there was a lot of things, a lot of things we learned there. But again, the real outcome of everything that happened there is going to come for next season. It, I don't want to dive into it too much, but I think that's like a good example of like, my villain academia did did that thing but well like they yeah. they did they did that hey this is kind of a setup for what's coming but it's jam-packed with really important like character building and like really cool stuff while this is like a bunch of like i don't want to say half-baked ideas but like ideas that were only taken halfway through to set up for later and so like that's why my villain academia stands out because like they did the setup but they did it right mm -hmm. i agree yeah, yeah i agree for sure I mean, anything else really kind of dive into this arc? I, I mean, even the one fight here wasn't... There's two fights, I think, here. Neither one were super impressive. Both were cool. A lot of them showed kind of how well that the three from Class 1A are starting to work together now and getting a little faster and stuff like that. But no new powers, no new quirks, nothing really mind... I do have something there, right? like to, to kind of leave off on. Um, read Vigilantes. Read Vigilantes yeah. because yeah. it makes it makes the Kurogiri stuff like even better. Like... If you're like, wow, this episode was really cool, just read Vigilantes because they go in depth in there because they didn't go as chapters, far as they should have. Chapters. Yeah. yeah. You, you get you get like a kind of like an arc. Like you almost you get a whole arc about that, which is nice. Yeah. I do want to touch one, like it was more it's more so again a gripe more than anything. But Dylan, you brought it up very briefly. I was hoping for the world building agency how they work. Like yeah. I was really hoping for that. You you get it like you get it barely, but it just it, again, it just scratches the surface really wanted to know how this is such because they're so there's such a big thing in the my hero universe of like all these hero agencies and oh my god what agency are you going to go to and stuff like that why tell us why other than the hero attached to it and that would have been great but again they only barely touched it you just we just had endeavor hanging in his office 
playing detective, doing a really and bad the, job. And they're with Burning, which I did like Burning. Burning was burning, a burning, burning rocks. We were all big Burning fans. Yeah. Um, so I think moving on to the thing that we all want to talk about, and really which was the highlight of the entire season, I think what brought it up for a lot of us, my villain academia. Um, obviously, so well, some of my points might be kind of all over the place. A lot happened this season. They're bunching around. But so what ended up happening is we kind of started off at some point learning a lot more about the villain Destro that was originally mentioned by Gentle Criminal way back in season four. Um, his And he had an unknown son named Reed Destro and a little bit about the Meta Liberation Army and kind of the movement that's happening behind them. At the same time, the League of Villains are training against Gigomachia, not only to gain his pretty much his submission, but also just to make them stronger and overall, which is why he doesn't follow them already. Um, the League of Villains end up heading to Daika City to confront the Meta Liberation Army, who captured Giren, pretty much their arms dealer, someone that we I kind of forgot about existed for so long until the season came back around, but he was important enough to kind of go and be used as an excuse for them to confront. And at that point, we see kind of the true amount of power and backing that the Middle Liberation Army has. There are countless thousands and thousands of people. We start learning about some of their commanders and all that. And this leads to an all-out war, pretty much, or a battle between the Middle Liberation Army and the League of Villains. Um, throughout this, there's a couple kind of really good character moments that happen. One, we learn about Shigaraki's full backstory, finally. He accidentally killed his entire family when his quirk kind of first manifested accidentally could be used loosely with his dad. Um, but the rest of it is that, yeah, it was pretty much an accident. What happens and that kind of sent him down this path and that all the hands are in his body are actually the hands of his family members. Um, two, we kind of learn a lot about Toga here. She kind of gets a couple of episodes to herself, but the big reveal is, is that if she feels strongly enough about the person's quirk that she's using, she's actually able to use the quirk of the person she transformed to here using Uraraka's power after she transformed into her. And two, Twice loses his shit after finally realizing that he's actually not a copy but the real version of himself and does Sad Man's Parade, which is probably one of the coolest moves in all of My Hero Academia. Um, all of this ends up leading to the League of Villains beating the Metal Liberation Army, and at the end, Shigaraki becomes the head of what will become the Paranormal Liberation Front after the two parties kind of come to a big, I don't know, like a conclusion or a truce. A truce, whatever. Yeah, that yeah. was such a bad wording at the end. Merger. A merger, yeah, a merge, mer hostile takeover, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so yeah, again, obviously, very high level stuff here, but I think we can all agree every episode, pretty much from the second they arrived in Daka City to the very end, was action packed, amazing things here and there, moments that we'll probably forget, but a phenomenal arc through and through. Either yeah, one of you doesn't start, yeah, I'll jump, I'll jump right in. Yeah, no, uh, I think it was. I know we, I think we had a couple gripes going through it, but I think out of this entire season, this was, again, it was the one we were excited for. We had, we had like the moments we were looking for. Sad Man's Parade was like, I remember, I remember us like talking, like even the episode before going into it, we were more excited about it because we knew it was coming up. You know what I mean? Having like twice, we like, he's just a character we've grown to love so much that having an entire episode dedicated to himself and watching him go absolutely batshit crazy just me, it was, it was sick. It was amazing. Um, and yeah, but he, and it really shows his relationship with Toga because that's like, that's the trigger for this whole thing, right? Toga, Toga herself, like probably one of the best written characters by Horikoshi as, as far as the women go, because she's pretty fleshed out at this point. But yeah, no, I thought that like showing both the relationship and both of them be able to t totally unleash their, like having that very clear power up of their, of their quirk made it so good. Top yeah. tier. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. I, it. Everything about it is so good. Like, there's really good fights. Um, there's, like, good, I don't want to say world building, but there is really good, um, like, power development. So, like, introducing the idea of a quirk awakening and what does that actually look like in practice? Or, wait, is that a quirk awakening or is it something else? Because there's two. There's one I think it's a quirk awakening. Yeah, because there's one of where you don't have a quirk and it shows up really late in life. But this is the the quirk evolution. I think it's a quirk evolution. Uh, yeah, yeah, because there, yeah. there's awakening and evolution. I think because this this introduces that concept. Uh, I think they mentioned it before, but this show like literally shows us of like there's a way to take your your quirk to a different level. And I'm glad they did it with Toga because I think they realized that like, hey, if we're setting the 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 League of Villains to be like the big big bad guys. You can't just have her just look like somebody else, right? Like, yeah. she's going to have to have some power. And this was, like, a perfect way of introducing that and then, like, just bumping up all of their powers. Yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, to just emphasize how many good moments there were. 
So if you're watching right now, and if you're not watching, I'll kind of explain it. Behind me, I have a bunch of like posters pretty much. And three of them that have kind of red on them are all villains. One's for Shigaraki, one's for Twice, one's for Toga. And the entire thing is just panels of manga panels of them. That is how many like good moments were for all three of these characters that I could from one volume is where all those pages came from. I made three yeah. giant art pieces out of it. Like that's how many moments there is. It's not a great representation if you're just listening to it versus seeing it kind of behind me. But just moment after moment, everyone got their dues. They kind of flushed it all out. Um, and I think obviously Shigaraki here is the star of it. I think he doesn't get a ton of screen time till really the last couple of episodes, but when he's on the screen, you feel afraid of him for the first time in the entire series. There's little moments where he, here and there where he kind of shows his strength, but like, no, this man is the rightful heir of like the next all for one and all that kind of stuff. Like he feels like a true villain finally, which he had yeah. in four seasons. Yeah. They really like leveled him up in terms of like being an actual bad guy like an actual villain from being someone that's more of like like literally just like an edgy teen and one thing that they did in the manga that i thought translated really really well is in the manga every time shigaraki talks he has these big jagged lines on his speech bubble because his voice is like really like grating right like his, his voice is really iconic and the way that they translated this is his voice is really grating in the anime until the very end of where they just like they they they, they have the voice actor basically just use his normal voice and it is such a cool like it, it's it's kind of hard to like actually see in the moment but if you listen to him like before and after it stands out clear as day and that moment is cool because it like not only is a is a full transformation of this character as like someone who is an actual villain now but also like they emphasize that through his voice and i think it's so cool that it, it might be one of my favorite moments of this entire season yeah, yeah, they, yeah I was, go, go ahead. No, no, you, you go. Okay. No, right. I, I was. <laughs> we're still getting used to getting back to the season. It's been a while since all three of us did it together. Yeah, but, um, yeah, we're not, we're not ready for this. Oh you can God. go. I promise. I promise. Okay. No, I was just, I like, so I really want to touch on something that you, I, you said, Andrew, was where like everybody kind of got their due. Like, you know what I mean? You had the, all these quirk, like uh, upgrades and stuff like that. And I remember while we were watching this, and we, even when we were reading it, like way back in the day, um, we were really excited to see what would happen with Spinner. And he's he got kind of shafted. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It was kind of a sin because I think I, I don't know if the, the general fan base feels this way, but I know myself and Dylan especially, like we have like a soft spot for him because he really was the, you know, he was the um the, the he kind of fell under, oh my god, what is his name? Why is it why Stain, yeah, he was like this stained disciple and he came in under Shigaraki to kind of carry that along. And he just, he didn't get anything. And I get why, because he's like, you know, his quirk is that he's a lizard, right? Like, that's that's really all it is. But it just, it felt like, it felt like he had done dirty. Not, not only... Too. Yeah, Mr. Compressed as well. But not yeah, only did... Yeah. Not only did Spinner get done dirty, they cut one of his most important scenes. So in yeah. the manga, there's a scene of where they go to a a mansion, I think it is. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they go to a mansion... And they show up there and essentially it's, I forget the name of the group, but essentially it's like a racist organization against um, people who are uh, like, who have mutant courts, who are able to like, who look different. Uh, and Spinner is one of them and they show up and they kill all of them. And it rocks because you're like, well, one, you're rooting for the villains. Cause it's like, yeah, they're killing, they're killing like the racist dudes or whatever. And it rocks, <laughs> but it, it's important because that's kind of like a, um, like, like a, a camaraderie moment of everyone in Spinner because it's like, Spinner is the one who has the mutant quirk, and they're all like, "No, Spinner, Spinner's our friend." Like, no, no but like, we're we're gonna kill all of you, and we're gonna take this mansion. And yeah. they cut that, and it and it sucks because that is well, one, it's a cool world building thing to introduce because it's I I think it's very interesting because it's like, well, of course there's gonna be racism in this world when you can have mutant quirks, but it also like brings everyone together as like a good organization because they do that really well with like one off characters. But this brings everybody together, uh, and it sucks that we lost that. We did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, like, I mean, I unfortunately, like, a, like that one little thing is, of course, is overshadowed by like you know, twice and Toga and Shigaraki. Like, it, like there is so many awesome moments in this arc. But I like, I like he, I, I have a soft spot for him as a side character, like because he, like you know, he he's been around forever, right? Like, he's 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 been he's not one of those like one off characters that you see on occasion. Like Spinner's always there every time right same with mr compressed too now mr compressed i don't know he's had his moments but 
I don't know. You, like, I don't know how I you like Mister Compress. Like, I think he's you, cool. You, you love him. Yeah, yeah, I like. Yeah. I like the magician villain. <laughs> magician, yeah, he's, he's he's not bad. Like I don't I like, and I think his gimmick is good too, and stuff like that. But no, I I do want to bring a lot of praise to this arc because it was it was really good. The the Redestro fight and everything like that. That was that was pretty sick. And yeah, like that whole voice change up too. Because like, now that you mention it, I was like, what? Like what changed? Like what was it that made him a better villain? And that is 100% one of it. It's between that and his ability to, like, spread his quirk more. Like, those are, like, the two big things that you're like, holy shit, like, this guy's the real deal, right? He yeah, becomes a one, symbol of fear at that point. And one thing I want to talk about, I think we're kind of getting toward, a little bit towards the end of time where we want to get to, but I want to talk a little bit about the Metal Liberation kind of side. We haven't really talked about them at all so far, but I think the introduction of them, it didn't feel unbelievable i mean kind of these couple of people of power and all these higher corporations kind of having this secret like cult and how crazy it is i think at no point did i ever question like no this doesn't seem believable like this is just a reason to kind of show um, how strong the league of villains are like no like it all felt um natural i really enjoyed all the generals all felt very unique redestral felt very cool and threatening as well too i think in a very quick timely you went from an unknown person to someone incredibly kind of scary and threatening to kind of being a puppet for Shigaraki at the end. (laughs) But I think they did such a great job with even a lot of new characters kind of being introduced and just these kind of ones when they're already fleshing out the League of Villains that we haven't had much time with. They did a great job of giving us enough about the Metal Liberation side while fleshing out um, the League of Villains so that next season when they combine, we kind of know who everyone is and when things happen with people, we'll care and they'll matter because we got enough time with them, which is really cool. Yeah, and I, I think it's really cool that they're, they find interesting ways to introduce, like, villain organizations. Like, one is, like, a play on the Yakuza. It's like, of course, there would be a villain uh, organization around a gang. And this one's really cool because it's like, what if there was a villain organization, but it was, like, the... They're yeah, essentially you, the Illuminati, right? I was, say, I've been, I was like, this has been sitting yeah. on the back of my head for the last five minutes. I'm like, they're the Illuminati. They're the yeah, Illuminati. Yeah, they're, right? they're, they're essentially the Illuminati. And not only that, but like they play on the trope of like the past and how the past used to have all these like big, scary villains and stuff. And this is what they look like in the current day. And that's that's such a cool way to do it because otherwise it's like, I guess you have these disjointed groups of villains running around and that doesn't make as much sense. And this is a good way to solidify it. And it shows heroes being on their side as well. Something we've never seen. We have not mm-hmm. thought or talked about corrupt heroes until kind of Hawks being brought in, which in the manga, it happens kind of simultaneously. In the season, it was a little bit different. But I mean, between Hawks and then I think Slide and Go, and a Slide couple and go, other yeah. heroes too, we start seeing heroes kind of being corrupt for the first time ever, which is a scary thought we never thought of. And it kind of opens up all like, who else could kind of be on the back burner? Who else cannot be who they say they are, which is, again, opened up another really cool dynamic that we didn't have before this season. Which which leads us to the point of the UA Trader. And it circles back to that too, because once we find this, we're like, because we haven't talked about the UA Trader in so long. And when they mention, and when they mention this, it's like, oh, hey, <laughs> hey, hold up. There's, there, there, there's corrupt heroes. You're telling me there's corrupting heroes and we are, have already assumed this? Like it, it, it brings it back up. And I think that's another good point that they, they, they drive here. I yeah, agree. absolutely. I, I do um, want to give a quick, quick, quick shout out really quick to two of the characters that I thought were really cool that they brought up was Trumpet, who I thought was a really like he was a really cool concept of just like rallying and boosting morale of everybody around him with like especially with his like headpiece and stuff like that. Super cool and really good for like a politician. Like that was like it was a really good like nice little combination. And uh the the ice guy, it was Getton, I think it was. Yeah. Who actually went like toe to toe with Dobby on just in pure ice which i thought that was sick like i remember mm-hmm. reading it and i was just like yo this is gonna look so good animated i think it was like because they weren't like the forefront fight like they weren't like the fight but it was still really good to like go back to and it's like oh shit the ice and the fire guy are going at it again it was always good yeah i completely agree but i think we should kind of take it back a bigger picture here now after going through each of the arcs and just curious where does this kind of fall in your rankings I don't expect you to say this is number one, this is number three, but top of the pack, bottom of the pack, kind of a mid overall season. Like, where does this kind of fall for you? It'll kind of go in order, and Dylan, I'll let you kind of lead with this. But just what I, are your general thoughts? I think it's one of the higher ones because maybe it might not be the most intriguing story wise 
overall, like I think NBA is pretty intriguing, but like, I think this is a season I would want to go back and watch because there's so many really good fights. There's a lot of really good moments between characters. I, I don't know exactly where to rank this, but this is like, I, I would label this as a rewatchable season. That's what I would yeah. say. This one is, it's very rewatchable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I gotta, I gotta put it like, I gotta put it to the mid to higher tier for me, just because again, where I'm such a huge stand of like side characters and the joint training arc, basically giving class one B a ton of screen time. And you get to see, like, like Dylan said, you get to see all these characters built out. Like, I think that's huge. And I think it's really good for the show because like you need more characters than just the main cast. Like you need supporting characters around and all of these characters are very, like they all have a, a huge identity. So I think that's a huge thing. Yeah. We got a really mid arc in between with keeping up with the Todoroki's point, whatever the fuck. Um, but then you have My Villain Academia, which is also incredible. So, yeah, I'd say basically rewatch those two arcs and then just fuck the middle one. Except for that one episode. Except for the one episode with Karagiri. That's it. And I, I kind of agree with that, too. I think on the, any given day, it could be like number two or number three kind of for me. There's only five seasons, so it's not that many. But I think... Hey, number two, I just, really? I, I think if I want rewatchable, and that's what I'm feeling that day, it could be number two. But I think if I want kind of the emotional payoff, I think season three with um the um all my versal one and all that kind of stuff i think there's a lot of good mm-hmm. moments in that one so i think depending what i want do i want like the my hero experience that if i want just some really fun tv to watch that's oh in the my hero academia universe it'd probably go to that so i think it's kind of mid to upper tier kind of for me yeah. as well so i think we're all kind of in the same area around that because it does go up and down on roller coaster but set us up a lot of cool things with the future while still being a really good overall season yeah so, absolutely I think that leaves off with one last thing that I have no idea where the hell this is going to go. And for those of you that did not watch Long Ago in the last season, whenever we do a season recap or an episode recap, at the end of the episode, we come up with the plus ultra reward. The plus ultra reward is a person, thing, place, whatever the hell you want to name and argue for that went above and beyond in the given episode or season. So this is not just your favorite character. This is the person that you think went above and beyond for all of season five. Now I'm going to save Dylan for last because I feel like he's going to say the oh, dumbest no. shit possible. So James, <laughs> we're leading with you. Oh no! Don't put it on me, man. Oh god. Okay. Um, normally my default is Bakugo, like almost every time. But Bakugo had some great moments. Don't get me wrong. Bakugo had some exemplary moments, but he was very much a backseat character in this, and. It's gotta be twice. I think it's twice. I know we had two whole other arcs of heroes, but when twice is like twice has his moment in my villain academia, he really does steal the show. You do get like and like he's like he's a good villain. Like he's a good character. I think it's really like I mean there's so much jumping around and everything like that, but I think twice is really just like the concrete answer for this. He win- he wins them the war, hundred percent. He just wins he wins a war. One man army. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. I think I think I couldn't come up with anything yeah. else. I I think there's no one you can nominate out of the second one. Hawks would be the next best one. Hey, Hawks was my next one. Me, yeah, but I just don't think enough kind of payoff happens here um for it to really be it. But he's kind of part of the both arcs. He kind of has some good character development and killing best genius, a top ten hero, is a very big deal. Um, so I think he'd be number two for me. But I had to kind of go with twice because it's the most memorable moment of the season and it felt like it made the biggest impact. Joint training, nothing happened there. Season two, I mean, the arc two, whatever. But here, twice is the one that stole the arc. So it has to go to him. Okay. Before, before, before Dylan starts, before Dylan starts, for our audio listeners, Dylan has had a shit eating <laughs> grin on his face the entire time. So buckle up. That means he's yeah. either going to agree with us. Or he's just gonna have something completely out of pocket. He's gonna give it to a concept, is what he's gonna do. No, no, like you. What, what my, my tell when I agree with you is always like I'm just like constantly nodding, and I wasn't doing that because while you two are correct, Twice is a wonderful character. Hawks is also a wonderful character. They aren't the plus ultra of the season because what other character do we get? Multiple ep- multiple episodes of this intense this horrifying heart-wrenching backstory and not only that but Uh, we have a moment of where he stands up and he he literally both figuratively and physically casts 
his his insecurities to the side and rises as the symbol of fear. It is Shigaraki. He's yeah. the, he's the, he went he literally went beyond in this and transcended himself. His hair changed colors. His hair changed colors. He's is such an insanely cool character. I love Shigaraki, right? Because like I agree. he starts I off my answer. Yeah, I, 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 that's I, right. I, it's I right. It he is the best. Give it, yeah, he's good. He and, and I think I think the reason why I like this so much is because it feels like his entire um, character arc is so intentional with this. I don't know if it really was, um, but it feels so intentional because they introduce him as this like literal snot nosed kid. Right. And he's like, he's making video game references. He just says, he want, I want to kill everything. It's like, all right, whatever. And they start dropping the hints. What are the hands? What's going on here? What's his backstory with, with all for one. And with this, it really solidifies into like, damn, this is really cool. And not only that, but they 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 drop the craziest thing of all time, and, and it, it is a background moment of where he's a kid, right? And uh, he's going out, he's playing, he's doing whatever, and this weird man in a trench coat just drops him off at his home, and they don't mention that ever again. Who's the man in the trench coat? Could it have been a setup? Could someone have given him his 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 quirk? We don't know, but it's a really cool hint, and they they don't linger on it, and they let us speculate everything about Shigaraki, and this is so good. Thank you for agreeing with me, both of yeah, you and everyone listening and watching. It's 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 hard not it's hard not to agree with that, man. It's really not like I know like twice has his moment, but yeah, Shigaraki really has the arc, right? Like it is it's his arc, right? And it it hurts me and James to agree with Dylan. So that really does go to show how good of, of I a mean, okay, he is and how good of he's Dylan and I jump on the same take a lot of the time, especially for the plus ultra. It hurts me. <laughs> i think that's gonna be how we wrap up our season five recap it was a long one thank you all so much for tuning in for this entire time if you made it this far it's always a long one but it's so much fun to talk about it and to get the hype going for season six we talked about it here so that next week when we do the primer we can reference a lot of this we can bring up the loose ends from all this so we cannot wait to dive into next week of everything that we think or everything we want to happen in season six and then after that it's here baby we are almost there so thank you all so much for listening and have a great day.